doing today, guys? I'm back here live in the studio once again for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is Friday, September 4th, 2020. Um, you guys know what that means, guys. It's Friday. We got college football on, on Saturday. That means it's time for a little college football preview podcast. And you know I had to bring back my man from last year, Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to everybody. Oh, it is good to be back, TP. Smell it in the air. Well, college football is back, but it's been back for a couple of days. But, you know, the big the big conferences are coming. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'd be honest with you, Ben. I didn't know if we'd be able to do any of these podcasts this year, especially about college football. I thought it might only be NFL. So, honestly, it feels great, man. The Friday podcast always my favorite one because we get to break down the games at the end. And that's what I don't know. That's what I look forward to all week. I don't know about you, but I always look forward to the Friday podcast, man. Get everyone ready for the big games. But before we do all that, we obviously got the AAC kicking off play. So we want to preview that conference a little bit. But we're going to start with two big storylines that came out of college football and that is Georgia's quarterback Jamie Newman choosing to opt out of this season, as well as uh, LSU having multiple players, including star wide receiver Jamar Chase. Um, which team do you think took the bigger hit by all these guys opting out? So if we want to talk you know, just individual players, um, the quarterback is obviously the most important position to a team you know, in football, but it's not just Jamar Chase that we're talking about for LSU here. Oh, um, yeah. They, I mean, let's start with their. I think they're returning two starters on their offense. Um, one of them was Jafar Chase. Uh, they're, I mean, they're missing like more than almost half their team. And mm-hmm. there's rumors flirting around right now that there might be more. Um, I, I'm, I gotta go with LSU has a bigger loss than just Jamie Newman. Um, as we all remember, they did also bring in JT Daniels, who was a former five-star, uh, played his true freshman year at USC, um, showed some promise, and then everyone thought he was going to explode. All of a sudden, he gets hurt, loses his starter position. He transferred to Georgia. Um, listen, Georgia, they they have quarterback depth. Now, they might not be as promising as what people thought Jamie Newman would have been, um, but JT Daniels, like I said, former five-star, the talent's there. Um, and Georgia also has a quarterback, uh, Dewan Mathis, who um, made the incredible recovery from, I think it was the brain cyst surgery. Okay. Um, he, he was like a four-star. He's supposed to be promising and has, from what I've read, has had a good camp. Uh, but JT will be the starter, but LSU's losing more here than Georgia. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one, man. I mean, besides the fact they lost Jamar Chase, they've lost so many players. And to be honest with you, too, you got to think about it this way. To think about everybody that they're losing from last year's team. I mean, they had so many guys get drafted. I believe it was like 13. Didn't they set the record for the most players drafted from one team last year? Yeah, I mean, it was almost their entire offense, I think, got drafted. Yeah, and most of the defense, too. I mean, they had so many guys go in the first round. So I think LSU's going to be hurting. And honestly, I think it might be a rough year for them. But at the end of the day, you know, they won the last real national championship, so they can't be mad. But I actually have an interesting theory here about Jamie Newman. So. I was personally a big JT Daniels fan. I thought JT Daniels transferring to Georgia was huge, and I was like, okay, Georgia finally has, not only do they have one good quarterback, but they have two when they had him and Newman in there. And I personally think that Daniels probably ended up looking a little bit better from Newman, and I even heard reports coming out of camp how impressed they were with JT Daniels and how he looks. So I think JT Daniels was probably taking Jamie Newman's job. Newman's a top five um, NFL prospect at quarterback. He 
honestly probably looked at everything and said, look, I can't lose this starting job and lose my draft stock. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here and say I'm sitting out the season because I'm scared of COVID. It honestly makes a lot of sense to me if that's what Daniels ended up – I mean, if uh, that's what Newman did here. I mean, it you know, it makes sense. You know, I've heard that little conspiracy theory. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, it's, it's not something we're ever going to hear the truth on. Um, honestly, it's – if he wants to call it COVID, it's not anyone's business. That's a valid reason in this mm-hmm. strange world we're in. So um, I don't think Kirby is upset at this. I, I, I honestly don't think he cares. Um, I think he respects the decision of Newman and his family. Um, you know, but I mean, he's got JT Daniels. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I mean, JT Daniels, I mean, I would argue honestly, either way, Georgia might have the best starting quarterback in the SEC, but we'll save that argument for when we preview the SEC and argue about that one a little bit then. Um, let's move now over to the AAC and they will have a couple teams kicking off play this upcoming weekend and probably headline some of our bigger games that we'll be talking about here in a second, but um, who who's your prediction to win the AAC this year and why? Yeah, so this is a three-team race, in my opinion. Um, I'll give a small little breakdown of each team. So Cincinnati, um, I want to start with them. We know who their coach is by now, Luke Fickle, uh, former Ohio State staffer, has now posted back-to-back 11-win seasons. Um, I don't care what conference you play in, what schedule, that's impressive. Back-to-back 11-win seasons is something that's not easy to do. They also return 10 starters on their defense. That is almost that is basically their entire defense from a year ago. Um, that's incredibly huge in this conference uh, specifically because this conference is kind of like the Big 12, and it's very high-profile offenses. Uh, they did lose their stud running back, Michael Warren, but they added former Alabama Crimson Tide running back Jerome Ford Um, So we'll see if he can kind of step into the spotlight and do that. Um, The second team, UCF, we all know they've been competitive the past couple of years. Um, They should have another good year in 2020. Um, They return a lot of weapons from that explosive offense last year. Dylan Gabriel, quarterback, was a freshman last year and was very, very impressive. Um, You would think that his sophomore year campaign, he should be able to add a couple more tools um, to stay explosive in that offense. And the third team, uh, Memphis. Obviously, they lost Coach Norvell to Florida State. Um, so there's a new guy at the helm. Um, that's unknown, but that's not a positive or negative. Um, we just kind of have to find out. But they do return Brady White, who's a fantastic quarterback. Uh, and they return 12 starters that's total on offense and defense. So they shouldn't have that much of a downfall. Now, in this conference, because it's so explosive with the offenses, I'm going to go with UCF. Okay. Now, I know that Cincinnati has all that experience I talked about with the defense, but UCF's defense is not – like it just doesn't get talked about because they score 40 points a game. But they've mm-hmm. put some defensive players in the pros these past couple of years. Um I'm a big fan of Dylan Gabriel. Um, I Same. I personally don't see a drop off in his sophomore year campaign. Um, that offense is just it's just tough to stop, and the continuity is there. I mean, the coach is back, the the offense is back, the quarterback's back. You know, and so that's my opinion. I got UCF. Yeah, you know, I've got to ask you this though. Do you think that those two starting defensive players and the other ten guys opting out, you think that's going to come back and hurt and hurt them at all? So I. 
I do in the beginning. Um, okay. I think, I think specifically with the defense, that like a defense that has opting out players more, I think that affects more the defense than the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, in this conference, this conference just knows how to score points. Um, so I think you can plug in any receiver, and you know Memphis and UCF are still going to average over thirty points a game. Um, so yeah, I do for the first couple of games. Um, I just I think the offense can carry them. I really do. Yeah, you know, I look. I was going to take UCF to win the conference. I'm like you. I'm all bought in on Dylan Gabriel and what they're doing down in UCF. Man, I mean, Florida's a hotbed for talent, kind of unlike these other teams. I mean, don't get me wrong. Cincinnati's in a great area too, but they're losing most of these guys to Ohio State, Michigan, and all these other Big Ten schools are trying to come in and pick them off. So I feel like UCF it keeps reloading every single time. And you know, I I was going to take them to win, but I feel like that these couple losses that they're having right here might come back to bite them i think it'll hurt them though more later in the season actually once you have a couple injuries and you just don't have that depth there to replace guys the way you need to um i'm actually going to go with memphis here and like you i also agree it's a three-team race between these teams but i just feel like that having brady white back and the fact you just promote with him with silverfield getting going from a offensive line coach and assistant head coach and head coach they'll be fine you know i don't really think gainwell sitting out is much to worry about here for memphis either I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great player, but Memphis is known for pumping running backs in the NFL. Look at all the running backs, and honestly, look at all the offensive weapons Memphis has put in the NFL time in and time out. I don't think we'll see any drop-off. They have their leading uh, wide receiver, Coxie, back as well. So I think that Memphis, you know, they got 77% of that defense back. They're going to be good. I mean, like you said, though, man, Cincinnati's got a lot back on the defensive side. I mean, UCF has a lot back, too. I mean, UCF went into Cincinnati and probably would have won if they didn't turn the ball over four times, so... It's gonna be a good. It's gonna be a dogfight, honestly, between these three teams. I kind of wanted to put SMU in there just because I like Shane Bichelle and I like that high-powered offense as well. But the defense is too bad for them. I think they're substantially worse than these other teams on defense, and they're all about the same offensively. So I mean, I see SMU losing a couple cheap ones, but personally, I th- I know we didn't include this in our questions originally, but I don't think the AAC is gonna end up getting a team into the Final Four. I think they're gonna end up beating up on each other. But I think these coaches for the bigger teams like the like uh, UCF, like Cincinnati, like Memphis. I think that's going to be a driving force they're going to kind of use with these teams to extra motivate them, especially in these beginning weeks against these uh, not-as-good opponents, you know. So I think we're going to look for these for these teams to be extra motivated and try to play even harder because, I mean, shoot, they're trying to get that team to the Final Four and put them on the map. Yeah, I mean, it's it's never a popular pick to put um, a team from the AAC, AAC <laughs> into the Final Four. Um, I don't know if you'll find – an analyst out there that will do that. Um, but that's not to say these teams aren't good. They're competitive. They play hard. Oh, yeah. And they have they have some of the most explosive offenses in college football. You can look at the numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the time in total passing yards, not counting Washington State, like these teams <laughs> are up there. I mean, they, they have fantastic players. Um, and we're starting to see a little bit of um, some of the coaches from this conference go to a bigger name school. I mean, Florida State just took it out from Memphis, um, and we'll see. I mean, these I mean these coaches are young. Luke Fickles had tremendous success. Uh, oh, yeah. Excuse me, success. Um, I think he's going into year four now. Yeah, I something think around there. Um, and he's from Ohio State as an assistant coach under Urban Meyer there. So you know that his knowledge and people believe in him. If, if you're on a staff of Urban Meyer, like, I mean, you're doing something right. Absolutely. Um, so we'll see if these coaches, you know start to go to bigger schools or not but i this conference is a lot of fun to watch 
No, I absolutely agree with you there, Ben. I mean, it's going to be fun, especially watching these top teams. I promise all y'all, watch these top teams play. You'll have a good time watching them. I mean, even if it's at like 12 o'clock when there's a bunch of just like, you know, like lower ACC, SEC teams playing, keep, put this team on your other TV or flip back and forth with it. You'll have a lot of fun watching these explosive offenses play. Um, who's your prediction for conference player of the year this year? Well, since I picked UCF, I got I feel like I got to pick Gabriel, right? Okay. Um I I do I if I don't want to I mean, that would be the smart pick to pick the team I win, but I actually think I think Brady White would take this. Um I think with you know, like you said, the the running backs that they're going to play, I'm sure are fine. Um I just think I, I he's I mean, he's a really good quarterback. He's got his top receiver back like you mentioned. Um I just, I think he, I think he takes this away. He's explosive. No, I see. I agree with you completely on that one, man. I think Brady White's going to win conference player of the year. Um, you look at him, he's a guy who's only getting better. I mean, this is his senior season. He threw for over 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns last year. I think he's only going to keep on getting better and better and better here for this Memphis team, not to mention he's got his top offensive target back as well. I think Memphis is going to air the ball out a lot this season early and often and get a lot of yardage. So I'm excited, man, to watch Brady White play, and that's my pick as well, especially since I picked him to win the conference. You know, like you said, you kind of got to correlate the best player on the best team with the team that's going to win the conference. Um, who's your sleeper team in this conference that you think could either potentially win or could ruin a couple team season along the way? Uh, I think you mentioned it. I think SMU. Um, SMU has a lot of their secondary returning. Um, so you would think that they get better year by year. That's the intent of college to learn more <laughs> things. Um, so I think SMU is definitely that sleeper team. No, I'm going to agree with you completely. I think Shane Bichelle coming back and what they did last year, you know, this team, this is a program that they got the death penalty. They used to be the top class of college football. You know, they've been down for a long time. Finally, they got better. They got to that 10-win area, and I just think they keep trying to build off that. I mean, who knows? They might end up going 9-3 and three this year, but I think one of these big dogs between Memphis, Cincinnati, or UCF is going to have their season ruined by them. Also, I think Houston could a little bit too. Once Holderson kind of readjusted to losing De'Ara King and everything, I feel like he got the offense high-powered and rolling again. I mean, with with how high-powered those two offenses are, I feel like they can catch you sleeping. Also, I've heard good things, too, about East Carolina. I heard they have their stud quarterback and a lot of other guys back. So, you know, there's definitely some decent teams here in the AAC outside of just the big three teams that we named and a lot. Also, one of my, uh, one of my brother's childhood friends, Cade Fortin, will be playing quarterback this year for USF. So I'm definitely going to try to check them out a few times, but I think they might have a decently rough season. Um, like we talked about earlier, star running back Kenneth Gainwell, leading rusher on the conference last year, ran for over 1,300 yards, is sitting out this season for Memphis. Um, do you think that, I mean, we kind of already discussed it, but I mean, do you think this is an irrecoverable blow for Memphis or something they can get past? I mean, it's definitely an impact. Um, you know, anytime someone loses uh, their starting running back that can put up stats uh, that you just named, it's definitely an impact. Um, I just think we'll just see Memphis. I think it's fine. I mean, you can. You can plug in running backs. Um, they may not give you as much production, but it's going to be fine because I think Memphis will just rely on um, Brady White in the passing game just a little bit more. And I think Brady White and their offense is more than capable um, enough to even increase their numbers from a year ago. Um, so I, I don't see this as like a massive impact, but it's definitely, you know, it's it's a little something. Yeah, you know, I think it's definitely a little something, but at the same time, you know, like I said earlier, Memphis has put tons of guys in the NFL. I mean, 
I honestly didn't even realize how many guys they put in the NFL so I started doing a little research from their team last year and then I was kind of looking back you know I was thinking about Darrell Henderson thinking about D'Angelo Williams all these I mean even Gibson all these stud backs Pollard that they put in the league and especially lately too you know it's like Memphis honestly has slept on powerhouse for putting players in the league, especially offensively. Like you said, you know, they got these high-powered offenses, and they've been pumping guys in the league. So I think there's more to come with that. And honestly, I think it'll just be next man up for Memphis. And like you said, you know, when you have a quarterback as good as Brady White, he can make up for a lot of your sins and a lot of what you're missing on that offense side of the football. Didn't Memphis lose their head coach a couple years ago to a big university? Um, yeah, they lost uh, Justin Fuente to uh, to Virginia Tech, Tech, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, so the program was great under him, mm-hmm. and it's been continued. So, I mean, they've they've had a they've had a good past, you know, five, six, seven years. Yeah, no, I agree with you completely. And I mean, even you look at it, they promoted within again. I mean, the offensive system and everything's still there. They promoted an offensive head coach. You know, obviously they did. Um, take I believe they took um, Norvell from Memphis or from uh, Arizona State, and when they brought him in there, when Fuente has left, but I mean, pretty much he's going to be running the exact same offensive system Norvell ran. That I mean, nobody really had an answer for in this conference last year, in the last couple of years. So I think it's just more to come. If anything, you know, that's a big thing in college football is you got to look at how much the overturn is, especially in a season like this. If they brought in an entire new coaching staff and new coach, I'd be a little bit worried. Rather than when you have kind of the same old, same old back, you know, I think that. I think, I think they're going to like the result they're going to get on this season. Um, let's now get into my personal favorite part of the podcast where we break down all the weekend's biggest matchups. Um, unfortunately, guys, there's not a whole lot of big matchups here, so I tried to make do with what we had. I promise next week's podcast we'll have at least four to five college football games and the same thing with NFL on the slate to discuss. But we'll go ahead and start things off for y'all. Kicking off at 4.30 on ESPN, we have SMU playing – against Texas State. They're on the road in this game. SMU is a 22.5 point favorite, and the over-under is set at 69 points. Um, what are you thinking about this game, Ben? How's it going to go? So I'm actually going to keep track of the picks I make this year um, so we can do a little recap before each week. Um, SMU, like I said, they returned a lot of their guys in the secondary. Um, that should that should play very well for SMU. Um, I also did know this. They were top five in the country last year in sacks. Uh, I expect this wow. Texas State I expect this Texas State team to have a long day. Um, we know about SMU's offense. I didn't know these stats about their defense. I didn't know they were returning almost every secondary member. Um, I mean, that's you know, twenty two is a lot. Um if this game is close, SMU has problems. I'll put it that way. No, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, I honestly didn't want to play that much this opening week, and I actually honestly love SMU in this spot. Look, SMU is returning 75% of their offensive attack, including Shane Bichelle, and when you look at things for the Texas State Bobcats here, they're returning 32% of their defensive production. I mean, they were 3-9 and nine last year. It's not like they're going to be much better than that. They're only allowing 25% of fans in the stadium, so I don't think the fact that SMU's not playing a home game. To be honest with you, I expect a lot of those fans to be SMU fans. I mean, shoot, if I'm an SMU fan, I'm making the short little drive to go watch the game against Texas State. So I think Shane Bichelle gets it rolling early and often. I mean, they do kind of have a little look-ahead spot at TCU, so they could pull the starters a little early. But at the same time, you know, with all the uncertainty and everything in COVID, I feel like they're going to come out here and throw the ball around. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 42-0 at halftime. 
over under wise, I'm not going to touch anything, but I would lean towards the over just because, I mean, like I said, how how high powered this SMU offense is. I mean, I would be shocked if they got stopped a single time in this game. I expect Shane Bichelle to come out here and just bomb the ball all over them. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see how they start. First couple drives might be a little, a little strange. Don't panic, you know, if they don't score. Uh, mm-hmm. There will be points in this game coming from Shane Bichelle. Yeah, and honestly, I think the best thing, too, when you have a spread this high is you might want a little bit of a struggle on the first couple drives from SMU just so, you know, they have to lock in and they're like, wow, we can't mess around anymore. we got to step up. I mean, that's whenever you're kind of betting on a blowout, I feel like the best thing that can happen in a blowout is kind of to mess around a little bit at the end of the game and let, you know, kind of think the other team has a little bit of a chance because then that's when they lock in and say, all right, if we don't mess around here, we might have a little bit of a game on our hands. But I expect SMU to stretch their legs early and often on them and get it, and get it done with for us. Um, the next game on the slate is another AAC game. This game is going to be in prime time as we have Arkansas State at Memphis. The line on this game currently has Memphis as a 19-point favorite and has the over-under set at 74 right now. Uh, what do you think about this one? We've talked about Memphis enough on this podcast that <laughs> I think people know that we're both in Memphis in this game to win. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to personally touch this game, but – I expect a field day from Brady White. <laughs> um, we've hyped him up enough on this podcast, uh, you know, early on. Listen, guys, if you haven't seen him play, um, he'll be in the NFL one day. No, absolutely. I mean, I think Brady White, he's a guy who could play his way into being a first-round pick if he comes out and has a great season. I mean, he's definitely a step up from Paxton Lynch. Um, I think that, like you said, you know, we've hyped up Memphis enough. I think this offense will show up and show out. I mean, they're playing against a defense that ranked 121st in college football here. I will say this, though. They do have a decent offense for Arkansas State, and they have a lot of guys back again. So, you know, Arkansas State did win their conference. They went 7-5 and five last year, did win a bowl game. So, you know, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say that this is as much of a cakewalk as it's going to be for SMU on Saturday. But, I look, I think Memphis is going to go ahead and try to get guys established. I think they're going to rotate those running backs through and try to around and try to see what they can get going with them. So, you know, I think if anything, this is an uncertainty game for Coach Silverfield. And I think if anything, he's going to come out here and air it out, try to run the score up. I would lean towards taking the over, but I'm definitely laying the wood with Memphis 19, minus 19. I think Memphis will have no problem scoring early and often in this game against Arkansas State. And like you know, like I said, this is a first game for a new head coach. If anything, he's going to take this game even more seriously and try to get you know everything straightened out rather than coming in here and you know packing it in early in the in a game like this. Um, last game is Monday on 8 p.m. at ESPN. You know, this is actually a really good game. Even if this game was happening week one when all the regular week one college football matchups happen, I'd probably try to sit down and watch this game regardless because it's going to be a fun one to watch. We got the BYU Cougars visiting Navy in Annapolis. Um, It opened actually as Navy being a three-point favorite at minus three. Now they're a two-point underdog with BYU being the favorite. The total is at 49.5. What do you think about this one? Yeah, so the line has moved back and forth like crazy uh, mm-hmm. since it came out. Um, so I'm going to start with the obvious. Um, anytime Navy plays a football game, your eyes light up to look at that over-under number. Um, <laughs> they run the triple option, folks. Um, usually that means there's not a ton of like breakaway plays. It's usually around three to four yards um, per down is what they kind of try and shoot for. They like to be third and three and under. Um that clock is just going to tick, tick, tock this whole game. Um, BYU 
usually has a very good offense that just doesn't get talked about. Um, BYU has been a pretty good football program. Um, and they're a smaller team, so I get they don't get a lot of the hype. Um, Navy's got a new quarterback. Um, I I know what that would usually mean. I don't know really what that means. So I'm curious, do you think a new quarterback in a triple option system means much? Like, yeah, he's he's active in every play. He's got to make a lot of tough reads, but it's they run one offense. Like a backup quarterback should be able to do this. Yeah, see, I actually am going to kind of agree with you on that one. I mean, don't get me wrong. Malcolm Perry was arguably the best quarterback they've ever had run the triple option. I mean, he broke so many records. He's in, the, I believe, the Ravens drafted him, and he's going to make the team. So, I mean, if that says anything how good of a triple option quarterback he is, that goes to show you right there. I mean, losing him is definitely going to be a blow to Navy. But at the same time, I kind of agree with you. Look, BYU lost their four best wide receivers and their, and their leading tight end. His name leaves me at the moment, but – He's out as well for this game. They do have their quarterback, Wilson, back once again. And, I mean, he was, he's was he been – you know, they've talked him up a lot. He had a good campaign last year. He's looking to build off that again this year. I personally think he's a good quarterback. He's athletic. He can run the ball. I just don't think he's going to have great receivers here to throw the ball to. Navy's going to want to run the ball, slow down the clock. Look, I would be all over this under, but it opened at 55, and it's at 49.5 now. I think we – I mean, we missed a touchdown's worth of value. That's way too much room to lose that one. Therefore, I can't touch that over under. But I actually feel pretty confident here taking Navy plus two as the underdog. I'm going to wait and see if it'll trickle all the way up to three. But Navy's 41-24 and 24 as an underdog. That's 63.1%. I think that BYU is getting way too much respect here being, a, being what they are. I mean, think about it. They're traveling all the way cross country to come over here and play this game. Um, usually, you know, service academies will play well in the first half, especially since it's kind of a tough adjustment. But look, like you said, you know, I don't think having the quarterback change will be that big of a difference from Navy. I like Navy to come out here and get the job done, to be honest with you. I think BYU is being overly respected when I see no explosiveness in this offense. Yeah, and it was actually just announced that um, not even the cadets um, – will be allowed in attendance so this will be a complete empty stadium um you know it that's a little unfortunate to me i understand the times um but i mean the the greatest college football game to watch every single year in my opinion is the army navy game i mean it's it's, it might not be like that game just and i don't want to steal the sec's you know phrases but like it, it just means more i mean the emotion on everyone in the stands, um, you know, the president is always at the game. You know, it's a tremendous flyover that gets emotional for some people. It's just that game just means a little bit more. Um, it, it's not like the best college football game you watch. Um, it's it just it, it just means something. Um, it's the names Army Navy. I mean, you know, it's the same thing for when they play Air Force. Like it, that's just my personal opinion. Um, so I was a little saddened to see that the cadets won't even allow to be in the stadium. Um, but, I mean, listen, Navy, like you said, that clock, I mean, it literally is not going to stop all game. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you on the over-underline, the fact that it, it keeps sinking. Um, when you – like, you need all the points you can get with Navy, so I wouldn't touch that. Um, this line's gone back and forth, which tells me Vegas originally didn't understand who was going to win this game either. Um, I If Navy is an underdog in this game and stays the underdog and the points go up, I, I would I would advise to take them as well. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, we saw, too, last year, a lot of these games that move, like, over three, four points. Like, for example, and the perfect example is South Carolina versus North Carolina. It went from, like, South Carolina minus, like, seven and a half all the way up to, like, minus 11 and a half. And, I mean, we all saw pretty easily how that game ended up finishing up. So, you know, I feel like that I'm on the same side as you here, man. I really think Navy at home is going to defend home turf. I mean, they were 9-2 and two last year. Don't get me wrong. They lost Malcolm Perry, but they still got a lot of that team back. So I think they should be able to get things going and done with that. Also, I did see BYU is 0-7 against the spread the last seven times they've been a road favorite. So that's another scary thing, too, to look into right there. But that's pretty much all I got for this podcast. I promise we'll have better matchups to break down for y'all next week as we got a much better slate of college football games. Ben, is there anything you want to say to people before we get up out of here? I just, I'm glad to have football back. I hope it, I hope it stays. Yeah, I think it'll stay personally. And like you said, you know, man, I'm glad to have college football back. No matter what matchups we got, I'll take any football we can get. I stayed up pretty late last night watching South Alabama cover for me and hit the under. So (laughs) expect more of the same from me all week. But Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again. We'll definitely have you on here to keep watching college football with us. Yeah, man. Always. Thanks for having me. No problem. See you guys next week.